I'm glad you're all here today. I hope you're glad you're here. Open God's words with me to the book of Acts. And we are in Acts chapter 22. We're getting there. Sorry, I got to look at something else real quick. Pastor was preaching a. This this has nothing to do with my message this morning, but Pastor was preaching his message on the the Ten Commandments, and they were talking about bearing false witness and lying. So now the pastor says, "Now your homework this week is to go home and read Mark 17." And, and glean everything that you can from Mark 17 about what it says about lying. So the next Sunday, he got up and he said, Now, he says, I don't want anybody telling the truth. If you didn't read Mark 17 this week, don't raise your hand. But everybody that read Mark 17 this week, raise your hand. He said, Everybody just raise your hand as a liar because there's only 16 chapters in the book of Mark. <laughs> I'll have to save that one for some other time. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll bring that back sometime. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but along that line, what I want to talk about is being real. Being true to God's word. We know he talked to talk and the walk talks and Walk talks louder than the talk talks. What's your walk talking? A couple weeks ago we talked about in uh, Acts 21 that God did not permit Paul to offer the sacrifices with those five, the other four guys that got their heads shaved that he was paying for the sacrifices because it was a really bad idea. And, and the more, you know, as I go forward, I, I still look back at what I've preached in the past and, and the more I look at it and I've had a few more weeks to, to think about it, pray about it, and ask for wisdom, the, the, the more I still agree with my two old commentaries and not the, the three, the, the three uh, more modern commentaries that, that it was just the wrong thing to do. Because it says in verse uh, chapter 21, verse 24, he, he says, J- James is the, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, is, is talking to Paul. He says, but we, we want to convince the people that you yourself also walk orderly keeping the law. That's just wrong. The law was fulfilled. The temple was fulfilled. He didn't need to be walking in the law anymore. Be true to the word. Again, we talked about what, what about the people back in, in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and, and Corinth that were going to hear that Paul was offering sacrifices according to the law back in Jerusalem. Like, That's not what he taught us. That's everything opposite of what he taught us. Why is he doing that? Because he got some bad advice from James and he happened to agree with them and I think they were both wrong. 
Anyhow, God didn't permit him to go to the temple to do those sacrifices. Because in verse 27 it says, When the seven days uh, were almost over, the Jews from Asia began to stir up the multitude and they laid hands on him. Better do what God says or you'll have a, a mob lay hands on you maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But that's what it took to, to keep Paul from, from not doing or from doing what he shouldn't have been doing. Last week we looked at what God did permit Paul to do, and in chapter 24, or 22, beginning of chapter 22, um, we looked in the first 21 verses, God did permit Paul to share his testimony. He, he got to explain and, and tell them what, what Jesus did do in his life. On the road to Damascus, the bright light, he's blinded, Ananias comes to, to give him his sight back. And Ananias was one of the fellows that was on that list that Paul had the authority from the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem to go out to Damascus to arrest. But God told Ananias, go see Paul. And, and, and he says, my brother. When, when Ananias sees Paul, he says, my brother. Here's a man that's coming to kill him. Or at the very least, throw him in jail. But because Jesus told him to go and to talk with Paul, Ananias says, brother. That's pretty amazing. And we said in, in verse 15 is Ananias. Uh, okay, we're in chapter 22, 15. Um, we looked at this last week that Ananias is talking to Paul. And he says, you will be a witness for him to all men. And Paul is telling this to the mob of Jews that wants to kill him. How do we know they want to kill him? Well, because in verse 36 of the previous chapter, they, they're, they're crying out, away with him, away with him. The exact same thing they yelled at our Savior Jesus Christ. Away with him. They didn't want, it. They didn't want Paul around. And Paul is, is telling them the story of, of how Jesus Christ saved him in his sovereign and amazing grace. Jesus Christ saved Paul. And he's telling about Ananias, and Ananias has told him from Jesus that you will be a witness for him, Jesus, to all men. That's, that's when we, I said last week, uh, probably a few people in the crowd started getting a little uneasy at that one. What do you mean, all men? Aren't you supposed to just say, to the Jews? And Paul says, no, he, Ananias told me that God told him to tell me that I was to go to all men. And he didn't use the Gentile word yet, so he was okay. They were just getting the little, remember that hush that fell over him? And then when he started speaking in Hebrew, the, the hush got even quieter? That's, that's when you can hear the, the pin drop on a carpeted floor, you know, when it gets that quiet. And then he gets to verse 21. Well, it, it started in verse 18 when, when he says Christ uh, is talking to him. And he said, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. When the blood of your witness Stephen was shed, I was standing by, approving, watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And... God said to him, go, 
for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He said it now. Verse 22. Chapter 22, verse 22. Oh, well, before I move on. Paul was moving from the persecutor to becoming the preacher. He was, the, the old man was gone, the new man was there. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, Paul was God's workmanship. God was working on him to bring him to the point that he wouldn't be the persecutor, but that he would be the preacher. Now he's not going to be, in in verse 15, Ananias told him, you're going to be a witness to all men. And now in verse 21, God tells him directly, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And remember, this was the mob that just dragged him out of the temple because they thought he wasn't keeping the law. They thought that perhaps he had defiled the temple by, by uh, taking a Gentile in there with him. And now he's saying that God's telling him to go to the Gentiles? As they listened to him, verse 22, as they listened to him up, up to this point, up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. Kill him. We don't want him around. He's not worthy. They were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air. Tossing the dust into the air was not a sign of anger. It was more of a sign of understanding that that they were upset that the temple had been defiled. That's what the the tossing of the dust there is in reference to. They weren't trying to throw it in his eyes or anything. They, they weren't that, it wasn't an angry, it wasn't the angry eyes, okay? It was, the, it was the, we're upset that the temple has been defiled. The Roman commander, Claudius Lysias, it doesn't give his name there, but we know from, from other verses and, and from works of uh, Josephus, the writings, uh, that that was Claudius Lysias. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he would be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. They listened to him up to this point. One of the commentators said that when they responded, it was like a roaring lion, a raging bear, or howling wolves in the evening. They, they got pretty loud. Remember that hush just a couple minutes ago that was so quiet and calm? He used the Gentile word, and it was out the windows. They had listened to him up to that point. Away with him. Kill him. Get rid of him. Now, we know in our lives that if we're in a room, and I'm speaking metaphorically of our spiritual lives, if we're in a room doesn't matter if there's two doors or 24 doors in that room. All the doors can be shut, but there's always going to be one open that God wants us to walk through. There's always one door. He may shut the other 23, 
But there's going to be one door that he wants you to walk through in your service to him and in, in, in your willingness to, to accomplish his will in your life and, and his will for the church through you. Know that. There, there, there may be times where we feel like every door is shut. That's not so. There's going to be a door open. Because God in his grace wants to develop you and grow you and watch you, watch you in that growth to maturity, spiritual maturity, to, to, to know his will and to walk through that open door. So the Claudius Lysias, and he's, he's a case study in himself. If, you, if you, uh, any of you are interested in history, you may know a little bit about Claudius um, I'm not going to take the time right now to go into that history lesson, but go home and Google him. And, and uh, I, I didn't Google him. I looked in the commentaries and got a lot on him, but I'm sure there's something out there on Google about this guy. Inter- interesting character. Uh, he was a mess, but anyhow. Commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting. The, 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 when, once, once he said the Gentile word, they just all started screaming and shouting different things. And so the Roman commander just wanted to get him out of there to save his life, but he wasn't sure what the charges were. They, he wasn't sure why they were so angry or mad at him. And, and so the, not, not Lyce, or Claudius, but the... the um, some of his soldiers, when they stretched him out with leather straps, Paul said to the centurion who was standing, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Okay, this, this is a point where, where we get back to our conversation about good governance. Are you supposed to be doing this to a Roman citizen? Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. Ooh, commander. Commander's going to take action on this himself. Verse 27, the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. It was common to, to bribe a... a, a uh, uh, I'll use our terms. It was common to, to bribe somebody that worked in the personnel office to get your citizenship back then. If you weren't a Roman citizen and you wanted to have a part of that, you, if you had enough money, you could, you could bribe somebody that would sign the paper and give you your ID card that said, yeah, you're a Roman citizen. Paul said, I was actually born a citizen. And it's, it's thought that Paul's dad had had fought in many of the battles for the Romans and, and uh, had, had earned his citizenship. And then Paul, by birth, had received it from his father. And so, basically, in the, as you could say, Paul, you're, you're more righteous in your citizenship than Claudius Lysias was because he bought his. You, you were born. You were born a Roman citizen. 29, therefore those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. It was wrong even for the Roman commander to put him in chains, let alone think about scourging him or or actually scourging him. Now the scourge, I'm sure you've heard all sorts of descriptions in the past, but it's basically leather straps tied to to a stick 
and they would whip you with it. And in, those, in each of those straps was stuck pieces of metal or rock. Yeah. And, and frequently, you would die from that scourging. Didn't have to worry about a trial that way. Didn't have to worry about whether he was guilty or not. He was dead, so, you know. And Paul says, time out. <laughs> I'm going to take a time out here, guys. I'm a Roman citizen. You, you shouldn't even be having me in chains. You can't do this to me. Now, if you would, just for a minute, look at Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Romans 13. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. President Biden was elected because that's God's plan for our country at this time. Our governor was elected and placed there because God wants her there at this time to accomplish his will among us, and I would say it's because of our unfaithfulness to him over the years. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of you, this, um, excuse me, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear honor to whom honor uh, and quickly to first timothy chapter 1 i'm sorry chapter 2 first timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 first of all then i urge that entreaties and prayers Petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity that is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In this day and age, those two passages are a little harder to swallow, aren't they? But it's still true. It's still the Word of God. And we need to obey to a point. <laughs> we know back in Acts that they listened up to Paul up to the point of him making this statement about going to the Gentiles. Turn back to Acts with me, if you would, to chapter 5. Acts 
Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We have a responsibility from Romans 13 and 1 Timothy 2 to obey the authorities that are over us. But according to Acts 5, we also have a responsibility, and there comes a point when there is not good governance, when, when they are not honorably exercising their duties, we have a responsibility to obey God rather than men. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, even if our God, when you throw us into that fiery furnace, even if our God chooses not to save us, we would rather do that than stand out here and disobey our God and bow down to your idol. Are you willing to stand that firm? I sure pray we are, because that's our responsibility as children of the king. As citizens of the royal family, we need to be willing to die for our great God and Savior. Are you ready? Are you willing? If you're not, then I'll put forth to you that maybe you're playing church. Maybe you're, you're fulfilling your obligation of being here for an hour on Sunday and the rest of the week, maybe you don't even open the Word of God. How much time do you spend talking to Him? How much time do you spend getting to know Him and letting Him know you? He already knows you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your name. I love looking at your faces right now. How willing are we to commit our lives to the point that Paul where is it here? I can find it quickly. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Are we doing it? Because if we were doing it, this church would be growing, people. It's, it's a natural byproduct. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase. And if we're, if we're planting and we're watering, God will honor that. Isaiah 55, 
His word will accomplish what he sets it out to do. And I can't believe that he has any other plan for his word than to, to bring people to Jesus. So if you're concerned that we're not growing, what do they say? If you point like this, you got one pointing away and three right back at you. I get that. I'm told, I'm told that's why the Marines always point like that. then they don't have any, any pointing back at themselves. <laughs> but if you point like that, folks, I beg you, I beg you, be right with God. Be true to his word. In, in a responsibility, yes, our, our government, government has the, the responsibility to exercise its duties properly. And sometimes they don't. And that's when we need to stand up and say, this doesn't pass the test. This is the wrong answer. We're not going to obey this law. And we don't take that lightly. Because it's very clear in Romans 13 and 1 Timothy that we, God expects us to obey the authorities. And we have an obligation to. Until it gets to that point. And folks, we're, we're past that point in some cases. We were past that point in 1972. And we didn't stand up as a church, as a church of Christ, as the body of Christ, and say, no, we're not going to allow that. And if we'd taken the stand back then, we wouldn't be where we're at today. That's all I got. But what are you going to do with that? We 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 have a great God. We we don't need to we don't need to be long in the face. We have a great God. He loves us. But the way we show him that we love him is we obey him. And we do what he tells us to. We do what his word says to do. And if we were doing that, faithfully and honorably, Father, thank you for your word. We have so much to be grateful for and thankful for. And as we, as we looked in Romans 13 where it says, basically, if, if you're speeding, expect the cops to pull you over because you're breaking the law. And that's right and just as it should be. Father, pull us over. Hmm. According to your law according to your law of love and grace. Father, give us an excitement in our hearts that you give us the first love, that it returns to us, that we would share the gospel, that it would be urgent because time is limited. We don't know when you're going to return, Father, but we do know that our days here on this earth are numbered. None of us are going to live forever here on this earth. 
Father, help us to be about your work. Help us to be about your business. And again, Father, I want to pray for Gary. That you would just work in his, literally, his heart. That you would calm it. That you would make it healthy. I want to pray for Karen Whitsett and our legislatures. Father, help them to govern well. We pray that they would be making life-honoring decisions. And this week as we go, Father, walk with us. Carry us when needed, when we need you to. Above all, help us to be obedient to you. To obey your word. And to go forth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.